Hello, everyone, and good evening, Hampton Roads, Tidewater Region, North Carolina, internet listeners everywhere. Welcome to tonight's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. Once again, you're listening to us on WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. As always, we're starting a brand new year, being here to break down, discuss, and offer insight into the dynamics of marriage and family relationships. And our mission is still to help restore, rebuild, and perfect your marriage and family relationships. Now, I hope everyone enjoyed a blessed Christmas and New Year's, and and I hope you took the time to ponder and live the true meaning of Christmas. Christmas is a wonderful holiday because we celebrate the birth of Jesus the Christ. And as I said last week, there is a mystery about that birth that causes a special recognition and appreciation of love during the Christmas season. And I just want to wish, I just wish we could maintain that sensitivity and awareness of love uh, and life all year long. Because as far as I'm concerned, Christmas is definitely worth celebrating all year through. And here we are, the very first episode of the year, 2020. I've heard a lot being said of the theme for this year, 2020 vision and renewing, restoring and working with your vision. Well, I want to piggyback on that and tell you, I want to encourage you to get a vision for your family. Get a vision for your relationships. Get a vision of repairing and reshaping and remolding, restoring and rebuilding and perfecting those family and marriage relationships. Get your vision together and move towards them. Yes, we are here the very first episode of 2020. Welcome again. We're starting a brand new year and I hope you're off with a bang as am I. All right. Um, now, it's time for us to return to our series on men and their issues. Uh, we started this a couple of two or three weeks ago. We took a week off to talk about Christmas, the meaning of Christmas, and now we're getting back into this more two-week series on men and their issues. And I'm a firm believer that if we want to turn our cities around, if we want to turn our nation, our world around, if we want to turn things around in this world, then not only must we reach out to God and surrender to his will, because that is the first step to fixing and correcting a situation. You need to turn to God, reach out to him and surrender to his will. That's first and foremost. But we also need our men to lead the way in reaching out to God and surrendering. We need our men to lead the way in that particular activity. We need men to see themselves as God sees them. We also need to reach down and reach out to touch our young boys who grow into men who carry a lot of excess childhood baggage into manhood with them. And I want to remind everyone of the strategy that I offered a couple of weeks ago for helping to raise boys. And that strategy includes, number one, someone to model appropriate manhood. Number two, teaching boys to monitor themselves. Number three, holding them accountable. And number four, the need to validate their emotions. If we can work those four points 
into raising boys. I'm guaranteeing you, we're going to raise some victorious men. We're going to raise some boys who are going to grow into uh, self-assured men, men who are dependent upon, relying upon God, faith in God, men who are knowing how to love their families, how to treat their women, love their wives, so forth and so on. We're just going to do right by our boys and in turn do right by our men. And if we will prevent our boys from growing into men with a multitude of issues and hurts and baggage, if we will prevent our boys from growing into men who suffer from what I call missocialization, if we will have our boys grow into men who are healthy emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, and even physically, if that's what we want to do, in turning our boys into men, if we will have our boys grow into men of virtue, of value, of principles, of scruples, then it is imperative that we love them and train them right. And that begins when our newborns come home from the hospital. Actually, it begins before they even leave the hospital. Now, I don't know about you, but I know this world needs boys who grow into men with a conscience that is sensitive to right. If we look at the current state of politics in our country, we understand that we have a bunch of men who lack a conscience that is sensitive to right. That's what we want our boys to grow into, men with a conscience that is sensitive to right. We want our boys to grow into men that have a moral compass that always points to the proverbial true north. And they have integrity. What they say in the light is what they say in the dark and vice versa. Who you see in public is who you see at home and vice versa. This is what our world is missing. This is exactly what our world missing. Men who are sensitive to right, who have a conscience that is sensitive to right, they operate by moral compass that points to the proverbial true north and men of integrity. This is what our world is missing. And tonight in this series on men and their issues, I want to sow some seeds that may help some men regain his way. I want to help some men regain his way. I want to help some young boy, some young man locate his way. And that's where we're going in this series on men and their issues. So let's begin in earnest. Men and their issues. Men like women learn to think a certain way. And their way of thinking either serves them well or doesn't serve them well. And they learn to think that way again by their socialization, what they see, what they talk, what they hear, what they feel as they're growing up. It bends their mind to think a certain way. Most of our troubles in life are somehow connected to or are our troubles are the result of the way that we think. Because the way we think motivates our behavior. Our behavior is the result of our thinking. And if our behavior is getting us in trouble, if our behavior is causing us to miss our goals, then we're getting in trouble. We're missing our goals. We're not seeing our dreams realized because of the way that we think. 
So in this series on men and their issues, I want to deal with the way that men think. And not only deal with the way men think, but actually key on some specific areas in which men think. There are certain key areas of a man's life in which the way he thinks will determine whether he sinks or swims, whether he crosses the finish line first or last or somewhere in between. I want to say to every man that we need to develop and grow in our thinking in order to be the men that we desire to be. Sometimes we call it being victimized by stinking thinking. Man, if you're not getting what you want in life, you've got to challenge your thinking. If you're not seeing your dreams come to pass, you've got to challenge your thinking. If you keep on slipping and dipping, peeping and creeping, if you keep on falling and stalling, you got to challenge your thinking. We need to grow in our thinking so that we can have an accurate vision of the men that we are supposed to be. We don't even know the men that we're supposed to be because our thinking is skewed. So we've got to develop more in our thinking, mature in our thinking, learn how to think. Even receive divine help in the way that we think so that we can see an accurate vision of who we are supposed to be. And then when we get that accurate vision, thinking right, we can strive to become what we see. And listen, the very first area where a man must grow in and challenge his thinking is how he thinks about himself in relationship to God. There's no better place to start than right here. Again, if God can get a hold to men, if men can find their right place in God, then their families, their cities, their states, the country, the world will follow. So the very first area we're going to have to challenge our thinking, man, is in our relationship to God. You have to really think about your relationship with God because it's very likely that you've been operating by some wrong concepts. Now, I, I have a bunch of these areas to deal with to cover uh, uh, how men think, and, and I'm going to move as expeditiously as I possibly can, but there's, I want to give you a fair warning. This particular area, talking about God, this area deserves a good bit of quality time. We don't need to rush too fast. I'm going to try my best to go ahead on and wind it up tonight, but I already feel in my mind and my heart I would like to do this particular area, thinking about your relationship with God and how to think about God, how to think about God, because God certainly thinks about you. I would like to do that in more than just one week, but I'm going to try my best to hold it to just one week. Uh, you pray for me, I can get that done. Uh, so we've, we've got to spend good quality time thinking about our relationship with God. Why, you may ask? Because all of your purpose, man, all of your existence hinges on your relationship with God. Everything about you, your purpose, surrendering to God's will, seeing your dreams, becoming who you're supposed to be, reaching your destiny, achieving your potential. All of that hinges on how you manage your relationship with God, how you think about God. 
and your relationship with God colors and it flavors and it influences and it impacts every other relationship in your life. That's just the bottom line. Who you see God in your life and who you see yourself in God being, that colors every other relationship. It flavors every other relationship. It influences and impacts every other relationship in your life. That's just the bottom line. If you can see God right, you can see yourself right. And if you're having relationship issues now, I guarantee you it's because you don't see yourself right. And if you don't see yourself right, you do not see God right. And see, that's why I wish I could take more than one week on this. We need to devote some time to this. Now, I, I don't want to insult or offend, offend anyone. I really don't mean to insult or offend anyone. But I can tell you right now that most men's concept of God is just way too small. It's just way too small. Any man that I've ever known in just about any man, period, battles with pride. And believe me, while we're dealing in this series on men and their issues, we're going to deal multiple times in multiple ways on multiple subjects. We're going to deal with pride. Because if there is one battle that every man fights, it is the battle of pride. Even when we are submitted and surrendered to God, we still have to keep our pride in check. Still have to keep our pride under subjection. That is every man's battle, pride. And if you're a woman out there listening to me, if you have a husband or a father or a son or brothers or friends or co-workers or whatever, if they are a man, I'm telling you, they are battling with pride. So any man that I've ever known, any man, period, they battle with pride. And nearly every man deals with this monster. You might as well call it what it is. Pride is a monster. And this is why the book of Proverbs says that uh, 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 pride goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. If you want to fall, get stuck in your pride. If you want to get stuck in life, get stuck in pride. If you want to be nothing, get stuck in pride. If you want to move backwards and not go forward, get stuck in pride. If you want to mess up relationships, if you want to suffer in relationships, get stuck in Pride. It's as easy as that. The most efficient, simplest, easiest way to fail, man, is get stuck in pride. How many men do you know who have hurt themselves because of pride? Wives tell them to to uh, uh, take their medicine and they won't take it. Wives tell them you need to go to the doctor and see about that, but they won't do it. Stuck in pride and end up suffering a serious sickness or illness. Men, we're driving down the highway. Instead of asking a wife for directions, we're driving around in circles trying to find our way. Stuck in pride. The Bible says pride will make you look like a fool. And that's exactly what pride ends up doing so often. Making us look like clowns and fools. Pride causes a man to think of himself either too highly or too lowly. 
Yes, both high self-esteem and low self-esteem are the results of pride. And a very dangerous ground that some men find themselves standing on is that unstable ground called pride. Too many men think so highly of themselves. They think so highly of their gifts and their talents. They think so highly of their abilities until they almost feel like they can compete with God. Pride makes the head swell up. They almost want to call themselves God. I hear them singing the hymn, then sings my soul. My Savior, me to me, how great I am, how great I am. So many men feel so good about themselves until they think God must agree with them. As a matter of fact, they feel so good about themselves. They believe God must be a lot like them. My brothers, brothers everywhere, that is pride. And you cannot be filled in pride and see yourself right. You cannot be filled with pride and think about God right. Because that's what I'm talking about tonight. And if you don't get it by now, what I'm trying to tell you, the one thing that prevents us from correct thinking about God is pride. You can feel so good about yourself. You can feel so good about your ability to slay and conquer. You can feel so good about your ability to go out and earn a living for your family. You can feel so good about the big house that you bought. You can feel so good about the fine car that you drive. You can feel so good about your abilities that you forget it's God who gave it to you, who gave you the ability to do it all. You can feel so strongly about your own abilities until you just cannot see yourself giving that control up and giving it over to God. You feel so confident. You slip out of confidence into cockiness and out of cockiness into downright conceit. You slip over there, overwhelmed, overtaken by pride. And you just cannot see yourself giving up control of your life and surrendering to God. Hmm. You think that giving God control of your life, surrendering your life to God, you think that is equal to giving up your power of self-determination. Let me tell you something, my friend. God-determination beats self-determination every single time. The thought of giving up personal power is scary for some men. The thought that he is not be the biggest determining factor in his life is alarming for some men. I can hear some men in my imagination. You come to me talking about surrender and give up even to God. Sure, you don't know me. I can make things happen. I can use my strength to change things. I can impact and alter my environment. I know that I'm somebody. And you come telling me to give up and surrender to God. My friend, your problem is pride has blinded you to who God truly is. And you cannot see God right. And if you cannot see God right, you cannot think about God right. And you cannot, if you do not think of God right, 
you will not have a right relationship with him. Watch this. Some men mistakenly conclude that God is not concerned about what goes on in their lives. I can also hear this question asked by some men. If God is so concerned about me and my life, if God loves me so much, then where was he when I got hurt as a child? If God loves me so much, then why did he let so-and-so happen to me? And every man listening to me tonight, you can replace so-and-so with whatever happened to you. You know what your mind goes back to in conversation like this. If God loves me so much, then why did he let so-and-so happen to me? It may be, why did he let my mother die? It may be, why did he let my father leave? Why did God let it happen to me? And let me tell you something. When you ask those type of questions, it's the best, it's the greatest indicator, it's the strongest evidence that you don't know how to think about God. You're not thinking about God right. And again, if you're not thinking about God right, you're not getting out of life what God means for you to get. You won't even get out of life what you mean for yourself to get when you're asking these types of questions. And once we start questioning God, we start assuming things about ourselves that just aren't true. We start acting in ways that do not meet God's standard of holiness. Oops, that slipped. I've said the bad word today, holiness. Yes, I said that. When we start acting in ways that do not meet God's standard of holiness, it's only evident that we don't know how to think and feel about God. And when we don't know or believe the truth about ourselves and about God, we will believe what our minds tell us. And our minds will tell us a lie. I often say that when you don't know the truth, your mind will give you a truth. And your mind will give you a lie that actually makes you feel better about your situation. Your mind is all about preserving you. Your mind is all about protecting you. But if your mind is not under the influence of God, then when it comes to preserving and protecting you, your mind will feed you lies just so that it can keep your level of anxiety down. Wow, that's heavy. Your mind will feed you a lie trying to keep you from mental suffering, psychological and emotional suffering. So when you don't know the truth, your mind will give you a truth. And the truth that your mind gives you when it's not under the influence of God will actually be a lie. When we don't know the truth, we start believing lies like God doesn't care. Lies like since nobody else wanted to have anything to do with me, I guess God didn't want to have anything to do with me either. We believe these lies. Our mind will give us these lies based on how we see our natural circumstances, based on how we think about them and view them under the influence of our own minds. Without godly influence, our minds will feed us these lies. That our minds will feed us these lies. I guess God don't care about me either. Well, my mom and daddy left. I guess God will leave me too. We believe lies like the unfortunate negative things that keep on happening to me must be God paying me back. 
or get me back for something I've done. Let me tell you something. When we start believing the lie that negative things happen in our lives because God is paying us back for something or bad things happen because of bad things that we've done and bad things happen because the bad things are God, is God paying us back? We're believing a lie. We're operating and functioning in a lie. And that conclusion will be the wrong conclusion. And when you live by a lie like that, you come to the next conclusion, which is, well, if God don't love me and if God is paying me back and if God doesn't want nothing to do with me and if God left me, then shoot, why bother going to church? God's just going to punish me anyhow. I don't even need church. That's the biggest lie of all. Any right thinking about God will lead you to church. If it's not the lie that I don't need church, then maybe we believe the lie that says I have to do enough good to earn my way back into God's good graces. Believe me, my brothers, believe me when I tell you that if you believe you can earn God's favor, you can earn God's good graces, you can earn your way back into God's good graces, then you most certainly believe a lie. Here's another lie that creeps into our thinking. We may believe in God, but we've fallen for the lie that we don't need church. I've already said that. We've fallen for the, we believe in God, but we fall for the lie that we don't need church. So we come up with the lie that there are many ways to God. When we convince ourselves we don't need church, we come up with the other lie that there are many ways to God. All I'm saying is that when we don't know the truth, we can be tricked into believing lies about our relationship with God. When we don't know the truth, our minds will give us a lie to replace the truth we don't know. And our mind gives us a lie in order to try and preserve and protect us from psychological and emotional harm. But it's a lie nonetheless. Wow, that's what I'm trying to tell you. We can be tricked into believing lies about our relationship with God. And lies will keep us living in darkness and distant from God. Lies will keep us living a great distance from those that we love. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. The only thing to keep you from coming to the truth is your pride. It's pride that convinces you that you can live life in some way other than surrendering to God. It's pride that will deceive you into believing that you have some control over your life that you really do not have. Pride will trick you into believing you have a strength that you really do not have. Pride will trick you into believing that you're not worth loving. How much of your life is based on a lie when it comes to your relationship with God? And how long have you been in that lie because of your pride? Can I share some truth with you? Let me share some truth with you. The strongest man in the world is not the man that can lift the most weight. The strongest man in the world is the man who lives a life of faith and surrenders his life to the will of God. The strongest man in the world is the man who allows Jesus Christ to sit on the throne of his life and have complete and total control. 
If there is a status to strive for, if there is a place to strive for, it is the status and the place of Jesus in control of our lives. When you sit and honestly think about your life, you know there's no equation that works better than you surrendering to God and letting him have his way. You know there's nothing that works better than that. No matter how much you rebel against it, no matter how much you strive against it, you know good and well life would work better if you surrender your life to God. Who knows what God knows? Who can do what God can do? Who has the power that God has? There's nobody like him. Here's something that I always tell teenage young men. Saved is the new sexy. Why is that? Because whenever I look at the Ebony Magazine Most Eligible Bachelorette issue, they always ask the eligible bachelorettes what she desires in a man. And her response invariably is, I want a Christian man. I want a saved man. I want a church man, a spiritual man, a religious man, a man centered on Christ, a Christ-believing man. I want a believer for a man. These beautiful, educated, talented, single women all say that they want a man who gives himself to the Lord. Hence, saved is the new sexy, my brother. The life-winning man is the man who surrenders his life to Jesus and allows Jesus to become Lord of his life. Listen, I'm out of time tonight, but I want you to know that we're going forth in this series on men and their issues. Uh, we're going to go forth in it. I invite you to listen in. I just wanted to make sure that I set the foundation on the truth that the greatest thing a man can do for himself is give his life to Jesus Christ and let Jesus take the reins. That's the key to turning around our communities, our city, states, our country, and our world. Men must lead the way in giving themselves to God. In the words of the old hymn we used to sing when I was growing up, get right with God and do it now. Get right with God and he will show you how. Hey, listen, you've been listening to this week's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic, the very first episode of the year 2020. I want to welcome you aboard. I want to start and I want to say to you what we always say. Reach out and contact me. Email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Let me hear from you. Let me know if we're doing you some good. If we're doing you no good at all. Join us next week. Same time, same channel. 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, WGPL uh, 1350 on your AM dial here in Hampton Roads. Got to get out of here, but always remember, you can't have peace unless you surrender your life to the Prince of Peace. God bless you. We're out.